This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. Uh, this is a very special episode because you have just tuned in to the 100th episode of the AmbaCast. Who would have thought this little podcast that we started during COVID uh, would continue on? We've got 100 episodes. And so not surprisingly, my guest for the 100th episode is the person who holds the record for the most appearances on the AmbaCast. Welcome back, Chair of the Board, Chrissy Neiser. Thank you, and I think I'm also your biggest fan and promoter. I am always suggesting that people go out and listen to the podcast because I love them. I think they're great. Excellent. Great. So we're, we're here to talk this week very specifically about the most recent Amva Board meeting which has uh, just concluded Uh, everyone here may be listening to this on a Monday and just last week we had the spring board meeting uh, in Arlington Virginia and it was exciting because it was the first in-person board of directors meeting since January of 2020 it was so exciting to see everybody in person and you know it's wonderful we've had these electronic platforms to be able to keep that connectivity with our partners and and colleagues but so nice to see people in person and be able to make that connection and it was amazing people shared in some cases been three years since they actually attended an AMVA meeting so it was a bit of a reunion right a family reunion absolutely absolutely so uh let's jump into it let's give our listeners a little update on what the board talked about maybe some key key decisions obviously any board of any nonprofit fiduciary oversight is a huge part of the role um, and so obviously there's a big chunk of the board conversation around the, the finances of the organization the solvency of the organization um, what what so what's the recap of the financial status of AMVA that's right it is so important these are resources from jurisdictions and we need to make sure we are doing the right thing and investing and utilizing those resources properly so we're really grateful for Kurt Myers our treasurer as well as all the finance investment and audit committee members who really watch and make sure that we are doing the right thing especially in volatile times like this we all recognize that world events are you know creating some uh, consternation out there in terms of finances and so they're constantly reevaluating making sure we're doing the right thing from an investment standpoint, looking at how the spending is going, and really appreciative for all their work. The good news is AMBA is still in good fiscal condition, and everybody can be assured that not only the team um, from the committee standpoint, but the AMBA staff is really doing a great job keeping us solvent. And so the other side of resources is the staff and, and the people side of it, and that was another discussion that the board had about how how staff is doing, which is a very positive report, but um, obviously the the job market, which those that are in a any kind of conversation right now, whether it is around the the great resignation that's happening or the challenge of recruiting, this was also a discussion for the board. That's right. It was a very common conversation, I think, for a lot of us around the table because we're all struggling with the issue. How do you attract the right employees? How do you retain those employees? How do you make sure they're feeling fulfilled? And so it's something that AMVA's working through just in the same way that we're working through. And so one of the things we did was agree to provide some additional recruitment resources to make sure that there's the appropriate um, staff to be able to support the efforts of bringing the right people into the organization to support all the jurisdictions. So it's a conversation that we need to continue 
continue to have, especially with Amba's reliance on IT. It's mm-hmm. such a key part of what we do, and we all know how difficult it is to, to keep our IT resources. It's such a challenging area, but so important to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's a incredibly crowded and competitive marketplace, and it's a, uh, it's a candidate's market. You, know, you have buyer markets and sellers market. It's a candidate's market. We have to learn to be creative yeah. to, to keep our good employees. Absolutely. So, you know, so that's kind of, you know, some of the operational oversight. Obviously, there's a lot of oversight around the, the programmatic areas. One of the, one of the hot areas that is in the industry among the AMVA community is MDL. We just had the MDL pop-up classroom that a number of folks listening might have attended in um, San Diego. Um, MDL was a part of the conversation at the board meeting. It was. And, you know, the MDL pop-up classroom was a great event, I think, for folks to come together and talk about what's going on, what went on in the past. AMPA's played such a leadership role in terms of developing and, and getting approval for the ISO standards, something really to be proud of, I think, as a community. And so the board was really talking about we've now got this digital trust service governance committee. Um, And where do we go from here? How do we move forward? How do we make sure that identity verification, which obviously is core to who we are uh, as an agency and as jurisdictions, how do we make sure that we do the right thing for our customers? And so um, we're working on a new statement, vision document that spells out AMVA's role and that we are we're a leader in this area. We want to be forward-leaning. We want to look at how we can bring all the partners together to make sure the ecosystem is functioning in the right way from a jurisdictional perspective as well as the end customer, obviously, always in mind in terms of the integrity of the process. Yeah, I think that word you use, ecosystem, is the, is the important one. Obviously, we were very active in the development of the international standard, the AMVA guidelines, and now, of course, we're venturing into building and operating the digital trust service for the exchange of the public key. Um, but you take it individually, those are, they're all individual pieces of the puzzle that makes up the ecosystem. And I think one of the things that came out of last week's board conversation is there's a there's a bigger umbrella, and figuring out AMVA's leadership role and carrying that bigger umbrella is really the next step. That's right. It's a, it's a large universe that's involved, and frankly, I don't think we know all the use cases that the mobile DL is going to be used for. So we really need to be thoughtful in the way we approach this and, and make sure that we are considering all those aspects. And so working with our relying partners, you know, making sure that um, as this moves forward, there's consideration of, of the verification process in the right way. It's really important to think big picture at this point, and not just about the data. Um, it's That's the easy part, I think, right? Um, being able to exchange the information, that's something AMVA does really well, and I think um, the MVP, the Minimal Viable Platform, is going to prove that out, but that larger digital trust service, what does that really look like? And then beyond that, who are the other partners that we need to be engaging with? And frankly, these are partners that AMVA probably hasn't in the past, and jurisdictions have not in the past. And so how do we make sure that we're talking to the right folks, that we make sure acceptance moves forward? What's our role in encouraging folks to get mobile DLs, all of those things really need to be considered moving forward because it's such a critical part of our future. And from a board perspective, one of the exciting things I observed was obviously there are early adopters like you in Maryland who have obviously been very engaged in and other early adopters that, you know, will wave the flag. But we heard from even jurisdictions that maybe have been early adopters that still were saying, yes, lean in. I may not be doing it in my jurisdiction, but lean in. 
there was real excitement from the board. You know, we don't know all the answers yet, and that's clear. But there was real agreement in terms of the direction of we need to move forward in this area, that we are best positioned um, to be a, be the one who can provide this, this service, frankly, and, and this coordination with all the parties that are involved. And so you're right. It's going to take different states longer than others. Um, some want to be on the front end, and others are standing back and saying, let's watch and see what happens. But regardless of where you are, I think AMVA can help provide this framework, this larger role to bring people together for this important conversation. So speaking of framework and speaking of where we're going in the future, that was another conversation the board had was around the strategic framework. We did. And, and, you know, I really want to once again thank everybody who contributed. We did that member survey, including our associate members. We got great feedback and things that folks want us to look at going forward. So one of the modifications that we're now working on, it's going to be a a five-year strategic framework and then an opportunity to reevaluate along the way. But I think members will be really proud and happy when they see the final document you know the feedback that we've gotten from everyone has really been integrated into the document and we're looking forward to being able to present the final document at the AIC in September. So that's I think that's the punchline is the updated framework will be unveiled at the, the AIC and in Baltimore always good to give the in plug. In Baltimore that's right. Right September 13th through 15th if you don't have it on your calendar we'll get our little plug in there. So great. So and um, then the board also took uh, a number of actions as related to new products becoming available to to the members coming out of our working groups and, and committees. Yeah, and just a shout out to all of our volunteers on the committees. I mean, it's such important work that happens. It develops these best practices, documents that all of our jurisdictions take back to be able to really do what we do every day in a better way. Um, So, yeah, I'll just mention a few of them because they have been very busy. So um, the uh, IDAC committee created the Advanced Driver Assistance System insert. So that'll go in your driver manual and provide really helpful information to new drivers and, frankly, even existing drivers about what those systems mean and how or interact with them and certainly if you're allowing them in your testing process or not. Um, also, you know, there's the, the e-titling working group who's been working on uh, recommendations in terms of what states can do to prepare for e-titling. Again, really important work in terms of, you know, where we go moving forward and the electronic exchange of this important information in terms of vehicle ownership. Um, we've got the fraud uh, prosecutor partnership document from the law enforcement committee, which is really great in terms of how, again, build, building partnerships. That's what we're all about and how do we put together information in a way to allow something to be done with that in the next step and that prosecution to occur and occur successfully so that's important and then automated vehicles we all know how critical that is again to the future so we've got an updated document there as well so so much good work being done by the committees and again just a shout out for those folks who've been on working groups or in the committees good job that they've all been doing so I think it's safe to say for those for those listening, be, be on the lookout probably uh, another few weeks before we clean them up and, and get it published, but we'll, we'll get them out on the website as soon as we can. So the other thing that came out of the committee discussion is an initiative that uh, some of the standing committees got together and said the AMVA Awards Program that uh, you know folks participate in are excited about every year. It's now uh, almost nine years old. And folks said, hey, let's see, how's it going? What's working? What could be better? And they came back with a, a set of proposals for the board to consider. 
That's right. And it really was about clarity. How do we make sure that when when states are applying for awards, they're clear in terms of what each award means, what the criteria is, and what we're really looking for there? I mean, it starts off just recognizing the great work that our employees and our jurisdictions are doing. We all know how hard they're working. And so it's a great program to be able to acknowledge that. And so recommendations were made to create additional efficiency within the program and make sure there's um, uh, removing some redundancy and reducing categories to make things a little clearer moving forward. I think everybody will find it a little easier in terms of the process of going through um, and, and actually wound up uh, expanding the number of awards that will be available. So it'll be at the international as well as the regional levels, but um, make it much more efficient. In terms well, I think of the, the efficiency there for, for members you know is it's less awards that they have to figure out how to apply for but more opportunities for recognition so it's a, I think that's the good efficiency balance of you know we're not we're not we're asking members to have to write a bunch of more applications it's with less work on members to have the opportunities to be recognized more. That's right. And we're adding customer service award, I think, oh, which is yes, great at yeah. the individual level. I mean, it's what we're all about, right? So nice to be able to, to really acknowledge that. Changing the names um, in terms of w looking at fraud detection and, and, yeah. and ways of, you know, again, recognizing folks that are doing great things to prevent, you know, whether it's documents from being issued that shouldn't be or a license from being issued. So, you know, really wanting to make sure that the awards that we're giving as an organization are meaningful and that they're appreciated by the membership. And that'll uh, go into effect in the next year's next awards year. program. Next year. So this year's awards program will go on as normal and then look for those changes coming up next year. That's right. So uh, part of the board meeting sometimes is to have some outside guests. There was one of particular note this last week. That's right. We were fortunate in order to have Steve Yonkers, a familiar face to many of us from U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So we talked about a few things. Um, importantly for our members to know, the recertification process is starting again. So if you haven't yet gone through that process, be on the lookout. Um, Steve might be reaching out to you to see if um, he can set up dates and times for that to happen. Um, he also talked about a little bit the Real ID modernization regulations and the time frame for that. Um, to be coming up in the fall to get some regulations out related to that. And importantly, I know there have been some concerns from jurisdictions about USCIS and the ability to get back verification on individuals with foreign documents. So we talked about that a little bit, and then one of the outcomes of the meeting is we're going to set up a call with them that Steve's going to facilitate um, to be able to really have conversations about how we serve our customers in the right way and making sure that they're not waiting unnecessarily long to get back verification. So one of the things we, um, uh, the board discussed is something that's been near and dear to your heart and it's uh, highlighted in the most recent edition of Move Magazine that's just hit the streets is this world of uh, highway safety partnership. That's right. There's so many great things that are going on from a safety standpoint out in the community, um, our law enforcement um, partners as well as the DMV community and so as a Governor's Highway Safety Rep in my state, what I've been thinking about a lot and talking about a lot this year is the idea of how we can better partner with the highway safety offices to help both of us, um, to make sure that we're taking advantage of opportunities, the resources that may be available to complete important work that motor vehicle agencies need to do. And so I'm really excited that the um, committees considered this highway safety policy and then the board endorsed that policy. And I hope that it's really helpful not only 
to administrators who maybe have been around for a while and are looking for ways to um, get involved, get engaged from a highway safety standpoint, but also for new administrators who on the job, a lot of challenges, a lot of things coming at you at once. And here's a, a little bit of information about how you partner with the highway safety community, get involved in traffic records, getting involved in strategic highway safety plan, identifying whether that's yourself or somebody else, a high level um, point of contact to work directly. So as these opportunities come up or even questions, how, how well do you know each other? You know, those lines of communication are the most important thing. I always say it doesn't matter where the highway safety office exists. It just matters that you have those connections and so hopefully this policy is another step forward I know AMVA has long been a, a supporter of the zero deaths mission and goal and I think this is just another demonstration that we're really committed to seeing how it can happen yeah and so from the policy perspective though what, what should members expect in terms of seeing this policy statement trying to chime in on the policy statement that's right, they'll see it at upcoming meetings, the regional meetings, that'll give them an opportunity to review and ask any questions they might have, and that will then be considered by the full membership again in September at September, AIC in September Baltimore. September 13th through 15th, AIC yes, in Baltimore. it's a common theme. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So uh, a, another thing that will happen at the AIC in Baltimore will be um, an annual meeting of the Driver's License Compact membership and there's been um, a lot of exciting activity happening in that space and that was another key discussion that happened this week with the board. It really has. So the, the compact um, executive committee got reinstituted last year at the compact meeting which we had remotely During at the, the AIC. That's AIC, right. Yeah. Um, and so they've been meeting quite frequently and having conversations about how we move forward. We now have state to state and driver history record. Wisconsin was the first state to, to join and so excited to see that. How do we move those two forward together? And so the proposal that was presented to the um, board, as well as the state-state governance committee, was to actually merge government governance of the driver's license compact, as well as the state-state governance committee. That it makes sense that um, the driver history record piece of state to state is the way to implement the tenets of the compact that we've all believed in for years, but unfortunately had no mechanism other than manually to do. And so. Uh, it's a really exciting step. I will say these are only initial steps. Um, there's going to be a lot of conversation coming up at the regional meetings. Um, there'll also be, as you said, the, the full vote by the compact membership that'll come up in September. And so this vote is to endorse the idea that we join that governance together um, under AMVA specifically, because you know most folks don't think about it, but it really is a separate organization. The compact boards are separate with AMVA serving as a Secretariat, but under this proposal, it moves under the AMBA governance structure and we merge the two groups. Just makes sense because, in many ways, the same folks are participating in both efforts. So, yeah, it's all the same people, all the same agencies. Right. We only have so much time and resources, so why not use it more efficiently? So, I'm really looking forward to the conversation, really looking forward to the highway safety benefits that come from it. Um, I think it, it's certainly an exciting development, and so we look forward to having more conversations there. And so, again, not unlike the policy, that's something where um, at all of the regional meetings coming up this spring, there'll either be a session at the conferences or discussions at the regional roundtables, uh, culminating in probably 
both another session at the AIC as well as the compact membership vote. Yeah, we really want to have a full conversation. This is an important step forward for us as a community and, and want to make sure the jurisdictions are on board and are comfortable with where we're going. Um, you know, the compact, one driver, one license has been the idea that we've all talked about for so long. State to state was an important development there. Um, driver history record is an equally important development, but then how do we make sure that we're moving forward in the right way and um, having the compact and the provisions contained in there in a way that we can implement them that are meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think the, the last area of, of highlight probably discusses, you know, another large platform that Anva operates is always checking in on, on NIMVITIS. And there's always developments as relates to NIMVITIS. You know, we recently hit a milestone of getting the last, you know, couple of remaining jurisdictions fully operational. And it's a it's kind of at a crossroads. You know, there's so for so long, the focus was getting states on, getting states on, getting states on. And now that we've got pretty much everybody on, it's okay, what's the, what's the next chapter in the Nimvitis story? That's right. A really exciting development in terms of all the jurisdictions being on. I mean, if you think, you know, all the work that went into that, all the time that was spent making that happen, something to be really proud of. I know it wasn't an easy lift for jurisdictions. It wasn't an easy lift for us, so I totally get that. Um, the exciting thing now is where we go moving forward. Um, you know, it is also important. I think we mentioned after the last board meeting the fact that, you know, moving forward we have to make sure that the operational costs are paid for under MVDIS, and so there will be something that um, administrators should look for in terms of how that's going to impact fees going forward, so make sure everybody has that on their radar. I know it's important in order to get it into budget cycles, and you know everybody's process is a little bit different, so um, more information to come on that, but there will be an impact from a, from a fee standpoint. And then also forward-looking, again, um, where do we go moving forward from a governance perspective. It's such a major system. It impacts so much of what we do every day. Um, and yet there's not a policy um, governance structure currently for MVDIS. Is there a larger role that we need to have a lot of great work's been done, best practices, uh, working groups, um, a lot of good resources are out there, but is there a larger policy framework that we need to consider? And so we're going to be putting together an ad hoc group um, of board members and chief administrators. If anybody is passionate about Invitas and feels so moved, feel free to reach out to myself or Ian or Anne. Um, but yeah, we're really excited about that effort and where we go moving forward. Um, the board really was very strategic in our conversations these last few days, which is exciting because we want to make sure that we're moving forward in a way that benefits all the jurisdictions. Yeah, Any highlights we, we've missed? I don't think we have, but I just want to make, make sure as you think about, you know, it was, it was a very full two days of board meetings and discussions and I think just as exciting being back in person, the discussions in between, you know, I think uh, we laughed. You as, as chair, we had to you had to gavel them back to order because they were so excited to be talking during the break. Yeah, it, it is so true. I mean, it was great to see the excitement. We had talked about that um, at some of the prior meetings, like the workshops. You would just hear the murmur, you know, when you took a break and everybody talking and reconnecting. It was the same way here. Um, so it was great to see that connection. It was great to have some of our associate members here and, you know, be able to have those more informal conversations that it's just not conducive when you're online and trying to connect that way. And one of the field 
trips. You know, normally, you know, I mean, obviously there's always uh, extracurricular activities, but there was one very meaningful field trip that the, the board took while they were in town this week that I think is directly connected to our mission and our members. Why don't you tell a little bit about what, what we did that one night? That's right. We actually went to visit the Law Enforcement Memorial Museum, which is just, I would anybody who's in the DC area, it's a great place to visit. There's a memorial outside um, for the fallen officers and all of their names are inscribed there. It's just very moving. And then inside it really tells the history of law enforcement and the evolution, whether that's from a technology standpoint and how far it's come. We joked as um, the drunkometer, which is now what we know as the breathalyzer um, from technology enhancements with um, flashlights and, you know, all the equipment that officers use and vehicles, uh, all of those things that have evolved over time. And um, it's a great museum that really tells the story of officers in a way that I think is very touching. And there's also a, a hall where they honor the folks who have fallen over the last year and, you know, reading some of those stories from the kids and um, spouses and other family members it's really touching it reminds us why we do what we do right and and how grateful we all are to our law enforcement partners so I really would recommend right now they're doing a 9-11 remembrance um, exhibit in particular and so how things evolved what happened during 9-11 but then what that caused from a law enforcement perspective so it's a great place to visit and yeah I think the board members really appreciated that yeah. and we have a d very direct AMVA connection in that uh, every year AMVA makes a donation to the memorial in the names of the fallen uh, officers that are AMVA members whether that's a state trooper state highway patrol or a uh, provincial law enforcement out of Canada um, in each of those individuals names we make a monetary donation to the to the memorial. That's right. We'd love to be able to just make the donation and not to lose any more officers, but unfortunately, you know, we not have, have a need to a memorial, that's right. right? But yeah, that's right. But um, until then, we will continue to honor those who have fallen, and also just appreciate all those officers out there doing a job for us every day, day and night, and keeping us all safe. Yeah. So, Chrissy, as we start to wrap up, uh, you are now more more than halfway through this chairmanship. What's uh, to do a quick quick look ahead from here coming out of this board meeting what's the what's left on the radar as you start to go down the home stretch so busy travel schedule coming up in the next few weeks next few months i guess i should say so going to all the regional meetings and um some administrator meetings so looking forward to getting out and and visiting with folks and hearing the different perspectives from different regions what issues are important um, and what issues are folks talking about what's evolving we know that things are moving so quickly these days right post covid what, what's happening um, and then of course as we talked about earlier, looking forward to <laughs> September, the AIC. We've got some fun things planned, and I hope people are excited about coming to Baltimore. It should be a, a good time of year, and a lot of uh, the team's working hard to make it wonderful. Well, as always, thanks for joining. You're always an easy guest to talk to. I have no doubt you'll be back. Uh, for the rest of you, thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you found this update helpful, useful. If you have questions about AMVA's board of directors, what they talked about, what they did, feel free. Reach out, reach out to Chrissy, reach out to me, reach out to Ann Farrow. We're all happy to answer questions and tell you more. Um, and certainly in the meantime, um, thanks for listening. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. And until next week, everyone, stay well. And once again, thanks. This was episode number 100. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America.
visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.